Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 34-10, the end of season world 34 of the show. We're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I just had yogurt for dinner. I love that. Every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. I just love yogurt. Yogurt is delicious, but for dinner, it's... Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, I need, need a little, need a little bit, more. bit more. Maybe I'll grab you a snack from upstairs real quick. Like I was talking to my I, trainer. You need a little bit more. You got to fuel your workouts. I was like, hey, I'm leaving and I got go to my, uh, go to record an episode. If I were stopping at Wawa, what would you get for dinner? She's like, first of all, I wouldn't eat at Wawa, but second, I can just give you a yogurt. And yeah. I'm like, if she says because, it, I'll because, her because, up because she's not eating a, a dinner at Wawa, she's going to Wawa for a snack. No, I was saying I want dinner at Wawa. You want dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. every week we let you pick a topic, <laughs> we pick some music. Um, and we chat, we listen to the music, we chat about it, we, we chat about the games, we chat about the composers, we chat about everything in between. But this week is another special episode. We have a very special guest on the show, a friend of the show, and an, a fellow podcaster in arms. We have Martyrus from the ReVGM podcast. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey there, gentlemen, Rob and Pernell. This is Martyrus. It's host good. of ReVGM. It's so good to have you. We've been we've been playing this for like a month, right? <sighs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, real quick, Pretty tell much. tell to all our listeners all about ReVGM, what your show is about, and what you do. Well, ReVGM is a music video game music podcast about. Uh, Covers and remixes. I play the original tracks, and in addition, I play their covers and remixes. Simple as that. I mean, there's there's a world of arrangements and covers and all that oh. on, online. Um, and I feel like when we first started our show, we were like, we wanted to have a showcase for that. There was there were other VGM podcasts that we eventually discovered <laughs> online, but none of them were really talking about that. It was all about the original compositions. Mm-hmm. But there's so much. Um, love for the music from other musicians um and there's some fabulous fantastic stuff out there uh i mean i hate to put you on the spot is there anything that you've discovered recently that has just blown blown your mind you know what the one of the first remixes that i discovered was by sleeping forest the version of when days when my mother was there oh my god It, it, it hit me at a time you know when my mom had passed away and you know it it just took took my heart literally oh i feel like i'm <laughs> trying my heart, to- literally and it's this is you know that was one of the remixes um one of the artists that really took me also was uh lacy johnson god mm. love the guitar queen yes she's just awesome and a bunch of other bands as well like super madness mm. and of course kirby's dreamland band they're um, both out in the woods, I think, too. Like they're off on the, on that side of the world. Yeah, but, yeah. Both Super Madness and Lacey Johnson are over here in the West Coast. Lacey Johnson, fantastic work. Really, 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 really uh, proficient. <laughs> really good stuff. Yes, and I have to say congratulations to her for reaching ten thousand subscriptions on YouTube. Yeah, that that's a huge, huge um, milestone. And I want to promote. Uh, we're talking about cover bands, the Mad Gear another friend of the show mm-hmm. um, they're close to a thousand they gotta hit that so check out the Ooh. Mad Gear on YouTube they just covered a, uh, a track from Axelay for the SNES it's really good Axelay 
Their, Wait, se- damn, their saxophone player is crushing that melody. It's so good. And of course, Cameron on the drums can't can't beat that. I can dig that. I'd check that out. Honestly, the funny part is like for a split second though, I was getting thrown off because Axelay. I was starting to think it was the game with the guy on the cover playing the banjo, but that's a different. No, shooter. that is. That's Phalanx. Phalanx. That, there we go. Phalanx. Axelay is like a it's like big orange letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Axelay. Yeah, that one. That one's a was it square. I don't think it's square, but I don't no. know who it was. It's interesting. It's got a mode seven kind of shooter feel to it, which is very unique on the on this NES. Um, but yeah, a really fantastic mm-hmm. soundtrack, The Mad Gear. Check it out. Subscribe to it. It doesn't hurt at all. Just Much. click that button. No, not at all. I don't know, man. In fact, it does. It makes you feel better. It does good things for you. But then when you wake up <laughs> and you're short 20% of your body's blood, I mean. And then while you're at it, listen to ReVGM and click the subscribe button on his show because it's fantastic. And now he's on our show and he's going to make our show fantastic. That's right. That's right. So smash that subscribe button. Maybe a little smarter too. Who knows? Hey, (laughs) I can take it. I'm sitting here eating yogurt raisins, so I can use all the help I can get. Those look good. The raisins? I thought those were nuts. Nah, they're yogurt raisins. I just ate a Cliff Bar, so I don't know. I don't have nothing to talk about. Um, All right, so... I'm still eating Halloween candy. (laughs) (laughs) There was a ton of Halloween candy at work and I had to stop. I got one Snickers. I'm really proud of myself. I had one... One fun size Snickers. All right, so we, we usually go to our guests and ask for them for um, advice, for life advice, love advice, topic advice, topic advice. Honestly, we want to know, we want to know what topic would you like to do for our show? And Marty, can we call you Marty? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, yep. We, you came through with an amazing topic. So November is. In in some parts of the internet, which I'm, I'm very familiar with, is NaNoWriMo, which is that is, how it's pronounced. Na- yeah, National Novel Writing Month. I always call it NaNoWriMo. Yep. Yeah, know that too. Do you have any uh, personal connection with NaNoWriMo, or is this something that you're just familiar with? Well, actually, I do, uh, because I've been a participant of National Novel Writing Month for several years. No kidding. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I I tried the first two times, but I failed. Yeah. And then the third time, with some planning and outlining and all the stuff that you could do as an author, I did manage to bring out 50,000 words in 30 days. That's amazing. And then some. Is it one of those kind of things, though, where even if you don't pull out the 50,000, it's the attempt that gets you to get there that stands out? Absolutely. It's a goal. It's like, um, you know how there's, there's, there's game jams, right, where they get like two or three people together and they're like, make a game based on picnic tables in two days. But like NaNoWriMo is like, Write 50,000 words of a novel. About picnic tables. In 30 days. Whatever you want. And so the idea is, is it's all about doing it. It's just... it's Putting pen to paper. J-F-D-I. Just do it. <laughs> and right. I've seen people with tattoos of that. It's all about... And you got to practice those, those those creative muscles and, and, and the... Um, and just the, the 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 process of just doing it and getting it done can encourage you to do more. And, and honestly, a lot of great writing has, has come out of NaNoWriMo. Um, oh yeah. yeah, one of the most famous ones, I believe, is the Midnight Circus that was published. Um, that's one of the more famous novels that came out of NaNoWriMo. Mm-hmm. I, I did not participate, but Christy Christy has in the past. It's it's oh, it's, it's, it's very, my that. wife Christy. It's, it's very um it's intense. Was that when she got that one article published? No, that was something else. That was something else. Um, that was some <laughs> other like fantasy writing that she did. Okay, because he was part of a um, well, writer's group in the area too. Yeah. 
Well, Rob, you'd like to, um, you should tell Christy that I am actively participating in it again this year. Yeah. I think and she's as of be, now, yeah. I, yeah, currently I have about 24,000 words. 2,400 words done oh, Okay, so I'm about to say 24,000. Are you halfway through? Because I wish. It's, it's like three days in November, dude. I think you're cheating. Oh, some authors, week some authors I've seen, some authors I've seen, they just bang it out like in two weeks. Like, you know, there's no way. You they're can't like, have that much time. Just word vomit. Yeah. They're, they're Stephen King. Pretty much. Is what they're doing. <laughs> honestly. Honestly, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's all planned out or if you're just vomiting words right onto the page or onto the pixel it, you just get those words well, out as I have, much as you can i have a novel for this week's show that fits into nanorama oh. which very much fits into nanorama that's i think is uh, it final fantasy 10 it is final fantasy 10 <laughs> it's based on the novel of the same name final fantasy 10 it is, is written um by pj wellahan <laughs> figures freaking <laughs> figures I was trying to think of oh a good boy. author name and stuff. I thought of a dumb sports bar that's down the road. <laughs> PJ Quellahan. Um, anyway, so our our episode is all about um, games based off of novels, off of books, um, which, which mm-hmm. there are many of, and many of them aren't 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 so um, overt about it. They're not like like hey, you know, based off of the best selling oh, yeah. novel by John Grisham. You know, it's actually like or Tom Clancy. That's what I'm trying to think of. Tom. Clancy, Rainbow Six, pronounced. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wrote Final Fantasy X. <laughs> he wrote Final Fantasy X. That moment where Yuna Wouldn't took be surprised. the freaking AR with the AR-15 and started letting loose into some Aeons. Yeah, he totally, did. totally Tom Clancy. He was, the, he was the voice of Waka and Kamari. And Titus. And Titus. And Yuna. <laughs> um, we're not going to talk about Final Fantasy X, but, uh, but in saying that, we just have. Hey, we had to get it into the episode. It wouldn't be right if we didn't. You know, but we have some like fascinating stories and and some fantastic music to get into. Uh, Martyrus, why don't you kick us off with your first pick of the show, if you don't mind? Ooh, well then, let me see. As I look through my show notes here. Oh, what's the first one I shall pick? Okay, let us start with this track from Digital Devil Storage, Megami Tensai, developed by Altus for the Famicom and published by Namco for the Famicom. Um, This track we're going to listen to is Battlefield, composed by Tsukasa Masuko. We're back. You're listening to music from Megami Tensei for the NES Digital Devil Story. Well, not NES, Famicom, I would say. Um, this is Battlefield, and it is composed by Sukasa Masuko, chosen by Martyrus, host of ReVGM Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. Um, <laughs> this is pretty um, 
I don't know. It's very Battle Toadsy, <laughs> to be to be fair. It definitely sounds yeah, like a Mega Ten battle track. Even this far into, like, even this early on, like it just sounds like a Shimagami Tensei regular battle theme. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing Battlefield is the battle theme for this game, just by mm-hmm. saying. You got. Yep, you got that correct. Oh, indeed. So I am very loosely familiar with the novel that this game and eventually the general franchise constant of the comp was based on but help a brother out give me some give us some of the finer details as you know them in regards to the print this novel that the, you know give us some detail well this is actually from a tr- part of a trilogy of sci-fi books written by aya nishitani this was later adapted into an animation and then licensed for video games you know, pretty simple as that. And, of course, there are elements of the book that you'll see in the video games as well. Um, the author was deeply involved with the Namco version of the game. One of the big ones is the Cerebus Demon, which is a homage to the narrative of Nishitani's trilogy. Oh. And, of course, this game was the beginning of the of the uh, Megami Tensei franchise. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Bruno, you are correct that this music does sound Megami Tensei-ish. This is a trip, like, and honestly, the narrative for that time was it. it was, I want to say it was pretty heavy, in the sense that mm-hmm. uh, it involved, it dealt with a lot of reincarnation concepts, uh, demon summoning, and rituals. Uh, there were there were a lot of uh, like, not a lot, but I mean, there were definitely more games released over like in Japan that had more adult themes mm-hmm. like this that would have never made it over to America, where games were just being reintroduced mainly to children or to teenagers you know to yeah. kids so like they weren't gonna they weren't gonna try to market these types of games and this is actually another thing about this that kind of got lost in the shuffle on the subgenre games in the series like Shin Megami Tensei proper up until like maybe actually, I guess even 5 did it but for the most part the whole cyberpunk vibe like this one like Digital Devil Story went pretty hard on that idea of like the the cyber cyber shum, cyber horror where it's like okay this guy like kind of creates a comp computer on it out of like a little homemade pc and he matches it to his arm and he can use it to summon the demons by using like writing code that summons demons and um also uses the code as he does like fusions and things of that nature um and of course there's like various guilds and things of that nature that take advantage of it as, as the series progresses it becomes a more commonplace techno so so it still takes place in kind of like real world, but it's kind of like a cyberpunky kind of real world, right? Yeah, like yeah. it has elements oh, yeah. that are blended into okay. it. Like it's meant to be modern, but with a twist. I like that. I like that. I feel like that's yeah, something that the, you're always really drawn to, also, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh yeah, the Cliff Notes. Yeah, the Cliff Notes version of it is basically two high school students who are deal with this summoning program that's gone wrong. And they're basically trapped in this labyrinth. So they travel through this labyrinth, fighting through Lucifer's generals, Minotaur, Loki, Medusa, Hecate, and Set. And eventually they'll face Lucifer himself. And of course, in the process, they meet these demons. They have the option to bring him over to their side to help them fight. Friendship. <laughs> Pretty much. It's a <laughs> demon friendship, but I still have friendship. Hey, I mean, I don't know. I've played Shin Megami Tensei and Megami mm-hmm. Tensei, and I don't know. Going down to the trenches with a Jack Frost, yeah, that's your friend. Yeah, <laughs> friends for life, hee ho. Um, well, okay, let me get into this. So, if we're talking about about sci-fi novels or fantasy novels, 
Um, that's my next my next pick here. We're gonna listen to a track from a mm-hmm. game that is based on a novel that definitely fits into the NaNoWriMo theme. This is I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. This is, a, about this, this is a point-and-click adventure, which <laughs> is terrifying. You can still find it on Steam. It's been re-released on Steam. came out in the, uh, the 90s. Um, this is a composed, music is composed by John Ottman, and the track we're going to listen to is Resistance. All right, and we're back. Uh, you were just listening to music from the game I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. That was track was called Resistance. It was composed by John Ottman. Okay. John Grisham. <laughs> John Grisham, not John Grisham. All right, so this book was written in 1966, mm. right? So he, uh, uh, John mm. Ottman wrote a chapter or two of the story and a bit of an outline, gave it to a friend and said, and his friend said, this is really interesting. You need to finish it. John Ottman took it home and finished the book overnight. So this oh. definitely fits, fits in NaNoWriMo. Um, this book <laughs> wow. was yeah, definitely written in one night. Um, I'll give a little bit of a, uh, a, um, a little bit of a, a overview of, of the story, and the the game follows the story almost exactly, except for a few mm-hmm. changes, especially towards the end. Um, it's it's during the Cold War, and let's say there's the Soviets, there's the Americans, and I think it's the Chinese, and everyone is going to start shooting nuclear weapons at each other. So every nation of these big nations create a giant supercomputer to control all of like these um, they create an AI supercomputer to, to to shoot off the nuclear weapons to make all these decisions hmm. all those supercomputers become sentient and they all form up and team up into one giant supercomputer called the AM the AM Allied Master Computer oh morning computer AM AM it calls itself as in I think therefore I am uh-huh. it destroys humanity Except for as one does, except for five people, which it keeps alive, effectively immortal, just to torture them for over a century. Jesus! And in this game, amusement. What is the purpose of that? Because it's bored. There's no humans left, and it needs to do something. So, it takes those five people, and those five people are the stories you play through in the game. Um, Essentially, the book is the stories they're telling each other, and they're trying to find canned goods. All, all the while, the AM, the master computer, is tormenting and torturing them. The book does so like not... They're like they're in the grocery store with pushing a shopping cart, and every five seconds they get jabbed with a needle in the back? Mainly like um, the master computer like messes with their body, makes them deformed, gives them, gives them urges to torture each other, gives them urges to 
uh, um, attack each other emotionally, physically. And all the while they have no mouths, but they want to scream. That is the final line of the book, and it does not end well for the human. The human. That's the human that's remaining. That is the final line of his dialogue. Jesus. It's awful. It's it's really. I mean, it's it's an it's it's a it's as far as fantasy goes, it's pretty. You know, it's pretty in- interesting. But oh my god! In the book, you play as the characters, <laughs> and there's there um. The 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 Arthur uh, Harlan Ellison actually voiced mm-hmm. the uh, the master computer in in the game and also uh, did the voices of the um, of the audiobook as well, which is really uh, fascinating. Yes, to me. Um, and really wanted the game to not have a good ending. Didn't want he wanted the player to play through the story as it was written with a horrible, horrifying ending. You couldn't uh, even have one ending. It's like this is how it could have been so, if I weren't a sadist. But I have seen all the endings online, <laughs> and because um, there are a couple of playthroughs, they they just do everything as everything that they could do, all the different um, options, and you can see all the different endings. And one of the endings is definitely. I almost played that uh, the music for that, but it was really disturbing. So we're not going to listen to that one. Um, but yeah, yeah it's it's Ooh. fascinating. I mean, I've I've heard of I've heard the title of this book. I've never actually looked it up. Um, there's actually a pack. A stamina pack on on DDR ITG that I play called "I Have No Feet and I Must Stream." Oh, I like that. Which is based on Ooh. which is No Feet playing the game and Stream, which is the stream of Sixteenth Notes, which is based on the book "I Have No Mouth." Oh my and I must god, <laughs> Jesus! And I was like, oh, that's where that all comes from. Very interesting. Uh, hey, does, does that also not have a very happy ending? Um, you know, stamina. It's you're you're, you're playing not to die. You're like, <laughs> I hope I don't have a heart attack playing this, this game. Yet. This track has the highest kill count. In the entire <laughs> oh god, um, no, yeah. Every year we play, and it's like it's we we all know we're just being masochists at that point. Um, it's what makes it special. It's it's what makes it. It's yeah. It's what draws us together. Um, yeah, so, uh, Martyrus, you, you, you read this book, right? You said you've this. You've enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I played through a little bit of it. Fortunately, unfortunately, I have not read the book. I am aware of the book, and I'm aware of how twisted both the book and the game are. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard things about the game. Freaky. I will read the synopsis. <laughs> the synopsis is enough, man. Sometimes, sometimes I just go to the wiki and I'm like, oh my god, that's I don't want to read that. <laughs> yeah, I'm. For now, I'll throw you the cliff note version. I, I am 100 percent cliff noting it. Like, oh, guy gets murdered painfully. That sucks. Yeah, going on. <laughs> going on. Going on. That's yeah. what happened with me in Hostel. I was you gotta watch Hostel. Like, I shan't. <laughs> I read the cliff notes. I was good, and then someone forced me to watch it because this was back when I didn't have a car. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, you can't go home, so we're watching Oops. this dumb movie." I'm, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm watching. I uh, that decision. I'm watching the Midnight Club on on Netflix right now. I'm kind of excited to watch more scary stuff again." Nothing uh, scary. I'm cool mm, with. It's, but it's there's certain scary, things. spooky. It's not like gross. That's the thing, like yeah. I mean, even really gross doesn't truly yeah. get to me. It's just there's certain elements. Like a friend mentioned the fly recently. Ooh. Even at this age, That's the fly good, is yeah. just disgusting. Also, fly rules. It, well, it was a good wow. movie, yeah. but it was disgusting. And anybody who claims otherwise is lying <laughs> or they have some freaking steel guts. Well, huh, Mart- Martyrus, where do you stand on the, on the spooky slash scary uh, movie situation? Some people are really into them. Some people yeah. are, man. Almond Joy's got nuts. You know, <laughs> God, you know, I, I have a wild imagination, maybe a little too wild for my own good. So really freaky movies, you know, that have people being killed, uh, limbs being chopped off, uh, mutilated, or just really gross tech things that come out that just freaks me out. And it, 
it's just too real for my imagination. Now, maybe a few jump scares here or just some spooky, creepy stuff, you know, ghost stories and yokai and all that kind of stuff that I could probably handle. Yeah, but this, no, this, the but slasher, you, slasher stuff is a little, it's like... Oh, yeah, the slasher stuff, you know. But they're uh, like the rub, though, Honestly, right? it's... Yeah. Like I mean, honestly, um, the first, I think, horror movie I watched, to me, was Poltergeist. All right, Poltergeist, and, yeah, that's a rough it. And unfortunately, because I was watching it when I was in my early teens, I pretty much hid behind a couch cushion the whole time <laughs> only peeking behind only peeking around just to see okay what's happening oh no 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 go back go back <laughs> yeah see there's something to be said about like because like i think a large part of where a lot of my what i do handle comes from is like i was subjected to horror movies way early like i was talking to said that same friend about that like i watched like nightmare on elm street and the friday the 13th and i was, when I was like six like mm. i would just you know, oh freddie's slashing up people in their sleep yeah, yeah but at the same time i watched child's play at the optimal time Back when, when my buddy was popular, and I had a My Buddy doll, because of course I did. And then Child's Play mm -hmm. comes out, showing that your doll will come to life and murder you in your sleep. So I had my My Buddy doll sitting on a trunk near the nightlight, watching it all night. Like, it's not going to move, is it? It's not going <laughs> to move, is it? But by that same token, like, there yeah. were other things that I started to come to later. Like, as I got older, and I started to be able to be like, okay, I'm, now I'm rationalizing horror flicks. Yeah. So stuff like Midsummer. Freaks me out because oh. Midsummer oh, is actually psych plausible. Yeah, it's psychological. It's human, mm. right? Yeah, it's too human. Because now that we're older, we know that humans are far more scary than any. Humans ghost. are messed up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Human enemies are humans scary are too films. complex. They're too complex. Now the um, like like the yeah, Ring, yeah. right? Like you ever hear people say how how scary the Ring oh, is? The how, yeah, but the thing is, like, oh. you can solve the horror. For me, watching it, if yeah. I could solve the horror, there, it's not scary. There, there was a, a, a really interesting um, article that I read online of a woman who was thinking mm. back about when she first watched Jurassic Park and she was way too young and she was terrified. And when you're a kid, you know, those, those, your parents and adults are trying to rationalize it for you. Like, T Rexes are long gone, they can't hurt you. But when you're a kid, you can't, you're not thinking rationally, especially when you're laying in bed, like the T-Rex is gonna come through my window. So she was like, well, what would I tell my child self? Like knowing knowing what I know now, what would I tell my child self? How would I get help them through that time? Easy. Jurassic Park uh -huh. exists on an island and we're not taking you there. Yeah. They can't That's get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one way it's like to rationalize oh, that it, sounds so simple. To, to remove it as far as possible. And what she decided ultimately, and, and kind of what, what your stories are, is to like kind of like to make it funny, to make it more humorous. Like yes. The T-Rex can't do the Y in the YMCA. And for you, it's like you watched scary movies, but you watched kind of like the campy stuff. No, I watched some of the hard mm. stuff. The Friday I watched, the 13. I watched Poltergeist. Oh, yeah, like Poltergeist. Mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I watched mm -hmm. all three Poltergeist movies by the time I was seven. Okay. Because oh, the wow. seventh one came out, or the third one came out when I was seven. This is answering a lot of questions for me. Yes, <laughs> as it should. I watched a lot of rough films growing up. I couldn't do it. I, I watched like Creep Show when I was like, I don't know, fourteen Creep, or thirteen. Creep oh, Show still sticks. Yeah, that freaked me it out. Creeped man. me out Dude. though. Yeah. Thanks for the ride, lady. Never I, left my brain. I, I have, um, I have, a, I have the, uh, the 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 album on vinyl. It was, uh, oh, I forget who the, the the composer was. It was a uh, John Grisham. No, <laughs> it's always John. I think Grisham. it was John John Carpenter. And in the um, and it's all that the comic book style in the liner notes and in the uh -huh. art on there. And it's 
I just, just like, it's because of that memory of when I was younger. It still, like, freaks me out. It's like visceral. Like Tales from the Crypt I used to watch back then when that I was stuff my fun. single. Oh, I, I enjoyed see, that. That, that, was that stuff I love watching. Oh, yeah, Tales but, from the Crypt. But Tales from the Crypt could go either it's, way. Um, but, like, but you remember mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt, like, like, how it could go. Some episodes were hilarious and campy. Yeah. And some were very mm-hmm. much dark. <laughs> yeah. And there's like this weird thing where no, like, yeah. you get this really dark narrative and at the end the Crypt Keeper comes like, wow, kids, that was funny. Like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I mean, am I the only one who does the idea of like, they just rationalize the films away? Like, Hostel is scary. Mm-hmm. Midsummer is scary. Hostel especially screws with me. Because Hostel is simply a right. matter of you're on vacation, going somewhere new and exciting, and you just get murdered. I'll say the um, uh, what, was, what was the other Jordan Peele movie? Not Get Out. Us. It was, nope. Uh, it was Us. I haven't seen that movie mm. because the trailer scared me. Yeah, it was a weird. And trailer. and that's not. And you know, it's supernatural, and it's like about doppelgangers no, us. trying to take over your life, and like that, that feeling and that like. Those that visual that like it's a nightmare feeling. Um, They'll just break all your mirrors. I can't. I'm I'm afraid to watch. It. I want <laughs> I, I want to watch it just to like just to get past it because Get Out scared me too. And I finally watched it and I was like, this was amazing. Get Out was probably one of the most real films I've ever watched. It was holy moly. Like, like I'm sure there's people going here to go typical black guy talking about Get no. Out. But I'm gonna tell you something. Jordan Peele is a genius. Yes, he is. But <laughs> that movie That's, was visceral. Yeah, like. So at this point, stop. It's, it's turns limit. Statue limitations is up on this freaking film. So like, for example, <laughs> yeah, so people know the premise is pretty much body snatching black people, right? Yeah. But when you watch the film as a black guy, he played on a number of tropes that when you watch the film for the first time, you're just riding the tropes because you know the tropes. Like when the cop pulls him over and yeah. she's like, "Let me see your license." She's like, "Why you gotta see his license?" And he's like. Because I need to know who I'm talking to because people are disappearing out here. And you're like, yeah, you speak up to that cop taking his license. It turns out, like, no, he was actually looking out for the cop. And you just, we played into it. And then the best part, of course, was at the end. Oh. Where he, uh, well, at the, at the crescendo, at the climax of the film, he's on the ground with the, the killer or whatever. And he's fighting. He's pretty much about the killer as she's on her way out. And a cop car pulls up. The entire theater. Oh my god! You like simultaneously? We were like, like, oh come on! We were like no! People were pissed. And of course, and his then when his friend gets out, everybody goes, oh yeah! Everybody simultaneously <laughs> lost it. Like that's a rare. That film wasn't the original moment. ending. Exactly. Yeah, Jordan Peele wrote about this. He said that the original ending was it was going to be a cop and he was going to go to jail because that was that's what you'd expect. That's what you would expect. That would mm-hmm. be reality. But everyone loved the character so much after like an hour and a half with this oh, character they're him. like there's no you can't let that happen to him you, you can't let that happen to him and it was just like it was such a so I a, watched that ending he's just sitting cathartic. in prison yeah. and his friend goes to visit him and he's just depressed he's like at least it's over yeah no you needed like that like, good, no you're on death row you needed that cathartic like ending yeah um, okay enough about movies <laughs> 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 Pernell what's your, what's your first pick I'm really curious because I don't have any notes from you well, this is an oh, easy yeah. one for me. I had to go me with too. because I'm I'm very weak when it comes to novellas. But I came across a few surprises, and this one, of course, I was happy to remember and bring up on the show. Being Parasite Eve. Um, for those who don't know, Parasite Eve was a game that came out was released by Square back in like 
I want to say 1997 or 1998, one of the two. The first cinematic RPG on the PlayStation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> as it was as it was advertised. But that cinematic RPG was actually based on a book yep. called Parasite Eve, which was released in 1995. So we're going to listen to a track that I am honestly amazed I never chose to play on this show before. What? Yeah, and watch it turns out I'm wrong, and I did. I don't think so. But this track is called Plosive Attack. Not a cover, not from Ooh. Third Birthday. Just plosive attack from the original Parasite Eve, composed by Yoko Shimamura. And you're listening to <laughs> Plosive Attack from the game Parasite Eve on the PlayStation 1, composed by Yoko Shimamura. So, anybody who is, was around for Parasite Eve back in the day, yes. they know how absolutely absurd the premise of this game oh, was. Oh, it was crazy. The It was so off the wall, but like visually, this game just drew you in. It didn't matter. That's right. And it was told from a, a human perspective. It wasn't like from the perspective of like the scientist who's involved with the whole thing. It was told from a detective, right? It was... It was Aya Brea. Aya Brea. Yep. And she was doing yeah. battle with mitochondria, the <laughs> yeah. powerhouse of the cell. Um, so like the general mm-hmm. premise of the game was that Eve was pretty much... The best way I can describe it, she was like a mitochondria life form that took physical form in an opera singer who mm-hmm. just kind of she just possessed her as like the perfect host essentially and then she tried yep. to use her body and her interface with mitochondria to influence the rest of the world's mitochondria to form some sort of super being that could in turn yep. just enslave mankind or just kind of control things right. I almost want to assume it would be something akin to like the finality of Evangelion where it became jelly or whatever so but, uh, the but I think that the book was just like it was like expanding on the idea of what if the mitochondria was sentient, right? But the funny thing about it, from what I was reading yep. about the book, the premise was fairly similar, except instead of it being a cop chasing Eve across six exciting action-packed chapters of customizable guns and armor, it was actually a <laughs> scientist who was kind of up close and personal with Eve's attempts hmm. at you know kind of influencing mankind, and then like. It was interesting, like, essentially, like, Eve was able to manipulate people through their mitochondria to make them do mm-hmm. things. Like, loosely, I remember that when she discovered, because she was pretty much was getting passed from life to life over deck centuries, mm. and she eventually mm-hmm. discovered, like, a perfect vessel in a, like, a teenage girl or something. So, oh, yes. 
So she had it so that either her or the teenage girl got into a car accident and was on the verge of death. And then had it so that her her current body had to give up its kidney or <laughs> organ to go into the girl, which is how she got yep. inside of the girl to take over her as a full-blown vessel. Right, so I've never read the book, but I watched the movie, which I believe is based more on the book. Yes. And yeah. I was very confused. When I first watched it, I was, I was younger, and I was like, Wait a minute. Where's Aya Brea? That's right. All this sounds really familiar. Uh, uh, Martyrs, have you have you seen have you seen the movie or, or read the the books at all? I've seen I've seen bits of the movie um, here and there. Um, the book, as uh, Pernell noted, it was it was published in 1995 by Katakawa. It was also later published in North America by Vertical Incorporated in 2005. And yes, there was a girl. Uh, she, for some reason, she was influenced to get into a car accident and became brain dead. Oddly enough, at the time, there was a researcher uh, who was influenced to donate the kidney to the perfect vessel. And then the, once that happened, of course, the Eve you know, tried to influence more people to do other nefarious stuff. So it, it's a very interesting sci-fi you know, story. You know what uh, it kind of reminds me I definitely me have of. to look into it. You know what it sort mm -hmm. of reminded me of, aside from just the general premise of mitochondria? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There was that one movie franchise, was it Species or... Yes, yeah, Species. The movie, basically the franchise, the, the alien takes the form of the human, and it's kind of like half human, half alien, and it's just kind of running on baser instincts to try to grow and expand itself. Species. I feel yeah, like that's going to be Species, I believe. Um, oh, I, I, I've seen the poster, never seen the movie. <laughs> I only saw the first movie, oh, and, then I, of them. and wow. then I got, I got nostalgic oh, for it at work. Yeah, there's a bunch of movies. Species, wow. Species 2, Species 3, Species The Awakening. <laughs> species Harder. <laughs> species Harder. came out 12 years after the first one. Interesting. Um, but, like, I kind of yeah. want to revisit Parasite Eve. Heck, I want to revisit Species, but... uh. I want to revisit Parasite Eve game and actually novel because when I first played it, I was like, as like a teenager, and I'm not ashamed to admit that outside of the whole action aspect of it, much of the dialogue was kind of over my head hmm. because they were going off about mitochondria, describing it in ways that mitochondria just doesn't things that it doesn't do. <laughs> I was yeah, like, wait yeah, a minute, yeah. I. So you're trying to like make sense of it, but you're like, well, it doesn't quite make sense. I'm in school right now doing very poorly in biochemistry. <laughs> well, this, I should understand okay, this. Okay, so this brings up a question then. So um, I've mm. only played this game when it first came out, and that's the only time I've ever played this game. And so I don't know if this, like, and I remember really enjoying it. I never finished it because it got, it got pretty difficult, um, so I only got so far. But I remember thinking it was really different and really interesting and cool. Talk about as far as narrative mm -hmm. or gameplay? Gameplay. Oh, gameplay. Does it hold up at all? Like, how, when was the last time either of you have played this one? A couple months ago. Really? Yes. A couple months. I have the retro room, man. Uh, I mean, I, I, just because you have a room full of re of like, I have a room of things, <laughs> thousands, thousands of retro games doesn't mean that like every like um, month you're like, Rob, I'm playing through all my games again. I will say I haven't thought about this actually fairly recently. The game needs. I would like to see it get a remake because the concepts hold up. The I would even say the gameplay holds up. The problem, however, is that even back then, she and the enemies move way too slowly. It's a snore fest just trying to mm -hmm. engage the game. But yeah. I liked the game enough at the time that I played through it 
Especially when I got the boss fights and this music played and like these freaking creepy mm-hmm. monsters mm-hmm. mutations popped up. You had to fight them like the oh, dog yes. who became Cerberus. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. the freak, like the, the giant gator with the electric tail. Yeah, mitochondria uh, oh, did that. Yeah, I forgot yeah, that about one. that. What about you, Martyrs? So, do you remember the last time? Have you, have you played Parasite Eve? Oh, yeah. I played it several months after it was released. It, I mean, the, the cinematics, of course, drew me. Uh, duh. But the gameplay, I really enjoyed. It was fresh. It was unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I did pay attention to the dialogue. So I did understand what was going on. And so much so that I did finish the game. However, yes. I did not complete it because there was still the, um, the, the tower. That's our yes, yeah. the Chrysler building. Yeah, that place to climb. I did try to. I also played the follow-up, which was a uh, two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't get too far in that game, unfortunately. Yeah, they changed the mechanics. It's on slightly that one. different. Yeah, yeah. slightly I, different mechanics in that one. I feel like that's the funny thing too. I actually did. I got pretty far in the Chrysler Tower, but the problem was, I'm not sure if you remember this, but towards the end of the game, you were like, well, throughout the game, you could customize weapons. But um, mm-hmm. towards the end, you were able to take your best customized weapon. Once you beat it, you could give it its own name and carry it into New Game Plus. Oh. So I had a gun I called the P-Funker. <laughs> and that was my New Game Plus gun that I took into the Chrysler building. That is like nice. classic, classic, classic teenage Purnell. That's right. Yeah. But the problem was the gun had burst fire and yeah. low damage output. Oh. So if for a game where oh, no. resources were scarce, yeah. having a gun that just blew through your bullets wasn't very smart. That's funny. So I just kind of ran out of bullets around the <laughs> giant Have we talked T-bos. about the P-Funker on this show before? Nope. I think it's the first time I've ever heard of it. <laughs> the P-Funker. That was we're, learning, we're learning new things Ooh. about each other today. All right, uh, Martyrus, we're, we're back around to you. Well, what's your what's your second original game track based on a novel? Well, based on a novel. Well, let's go to a series here. Um, this is from the game Sukoden 2, also known as Gensu Sukoden 2 in Japan. Developed by Konami Computer Entertainment Tokyo and System Seicom for the PC. Published by Konami. Hmm. Four, if I may go through all this, the Sony PlayStation 1 and 4, the Sega Saturn, the Nintendo Switch, and the Microsoft Windows and Xbox One. And apparently soon for modern consoles. I think, didn't they announce the freaking remake of these or remasters of them recently? Yes. Yeah, PlayStation 4. Oh, know, yes. So, yeah. I don't know, that, yeah, no, I was just releasing it digitally. Oh. They're actually remastering mm-hmm. them. Uh, oh, oh, right. I got full, like... It like was like fixing it up. Yeah, it was like a Konami announcement. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, Konami doesn't suck anymore. <laughs> and it's gonna be a pachinko <laughs> game for your PlayStation. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, right, well, what track are we going with? Okay, well, let's see. We're gonna play the chase, which was composed and arranged by Miki Megashino. So the chase, right? Miki Megashino. Apple Von Apple Von Betty. Yeah, you're three hours behind us. In the next like thirty minutes, I am gonna. He like, becomes a pumpkin. I crash out pretty hard. Uh oh. Oh yeah, you would totally like B- Basari Rough. Basari. Oh, that game looked cool. It sounded really interesting to me. It is like we went, we found it on sale at Days of Nights, and like for all the games that are selling their expensive price, Mark freaks out when he's like, "Oh my god, they got Basari for twenty bucks!" I'm like. I remember liking Basari, but was it that good? And then we played it last. And I was like, yes, yeah, that good. It's still really fun. There it is, the chase. Basari.
simple but effective loop right there. <laughs> this is music from Sweet Code in 2, Gensho Sweet Code in 2, composed by Miki Higashino, published by Konami. This was the track The Chase. This is really nice. This is a great pick, Martyrus. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I always, uh, I always am, am impressed by music from this game. I should really explore it more, but the soundtrack is, is vast. Just make sure to play it's the big. first one first. But, I mean, explore the soundtrack. I don't think I'm oh, playing these ah, games. Come on, they're short, Rob. Are they short? They're actually short. Are they actually short? They're actually they're short. They're not like 90 hours short. No, <laughs> I'm not hitting you with a Persona 5 again. <laughs> This is actually very short. Oh, okay, on. to be fair, Persona 5 was like, it, it, I felt like I was, I needed to experience it because it was so important to you, my friend. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. And I'm glad you did play through it. You, you, you powered through like yeah, a it champ. Was, it, was, it was very good. I mean, I found it a, a very edifying experience. It was just what, what pushed me to, to finish it and to play it was because it was important to you. Well, while I would say, and then I'll stop rambling because Martyrs has some, yeah. has, some, has some dialogue to produce here. Sure. Good man. <laughs> produce some dialogue, Martyrs. <laughs> produce some dialogue. Listen to me. I'm, I'm corporate. Oh, um, get my notes. <laughs> but, like, uh, while this isn't that level of important to me, Sweet Coden does hold a pretty nice place in my specifically the first two games because of how well they link the two narratives together, especially if you actually have mm-hmm. the save file from the first game, which is why you want to play the first one. But also... Just by virtue of the fact that they packed so much heart and, and just weighted weight of story in such a short mm-hmm. game. Sweet Code 1, you can, I feel like a person could beat that in like 20 hours easily. And then the second game is a little longer, maybe 30 hours. Obviously, someone's mm-hmm. listening to this, well, completers, like, yeah, completers might take longer. But Rob ain't trying to get everything. No, Rob's no. trying to experience the story. Right. He can get through it easily in those times. Yeah, I can watch a YouTube video. Well, wait, I mean, I can play the game. You can play the game. <laughs> you can beat both games in a quarter of the time it takes to beat Persona 5. Right, right. So one year. <laughs> yes. One, one full year. But one year for two games isn't great. Uh, no, I know. Uh, honestly, my, my cousin, uh, Rachel, is, is really, really into this game. These games. Are you going to let Rachel down, Ron? I, I won't be the first time. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, jeez. Come on. Come on. Well, tell us a little about uh, Martyr. Tell us a little about Sweet Code and, and the, the, the novel. Is it a series or is it just a, a single book that this is based on? Well, the Sukoden series is based on the book. It's actually based on the concept that comes from the book. Now, the original classical Chinese novel was written by Xu... Well, let's see here. Oh, let me it was written by Shi Nia'an, and the title of the novel is Shui Hu Ziwan. Ugh, oh, mindful. And it's based on the concept of these 108 characters, or 108 heroes, that can be recruited in the series. Um, according to the novel, there were these 108 demons that were banished by Shang Di, the supreme god in Chinese folklore religion. They later repented and were accidentally released uh, to be reborn as the 108 that band together for justice. There are, according to the statistics, 36 heavenly spirits and 72 earthly fiends. Hmm. Now, the name Sukoden is actually the, tr- the Japanese translator for the novel. So that's where you get the name. Okay. So the, the 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 person who translated the novel into Japanese uh, from yes, Chinese so, yeah. is Sweet Coden. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, so oh, that's sweet, Coden. 
Oh, Christ. Thank you. <laughs> Shameful. Good night. Shame. Podcast over. <laughs> oh, those sugary puns. I was going to say, I think the wise guy will really appreciate this dialogue, and then Rob had to make that pun. I destroyed it. <laughs> um, that's interesting. So it's so it's really it's, this is based on a much older older book. Um, oh, much. Older. Is, do you do you is the is do you know if there is a um, a purpose or uh, a greater meaning to the numbers thirty six and seventy two? Well, I mean, you have them together. It's a hundred and eight. Well, simple as that. They just wanted it to be 108, but they had to get, they had to give us some narrative oomph. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's, that's a lot. I mean, that, that's yeah, like a, that's a, a Dickens book right there, man. But so. the fact that you can recruit that many characters in the game, that's just amazing. So can you recruit 108 in the first game and then carry them over to your second game? Not exactly. So no. if I remember correctly, without spoiling it, and I am going to, even though statues is way up, I'm still going to go here. I mean, do you actually use them or is this a got to catch them all? You they well some of them Heavenly are spirits. Well, yes, that too. But some of them are party members you can use in a party of like either five or six members. I can't remember which of the ones the fifth game had. I know mm-hmm. the second had six. But um, some of them actually facilitate your castle, your home base, by giving you different things, whether it be a shop or mini games to earn money or interesting dialogue even. But for the most part, every one of the hundred and eight stars provided some element to kind of help you mm. but it wasn't necessarily like a time consuming addition to your team it was just hey you're in the castle you provide you provide support that no one else could right which i kind of like actually it kind of just goes to show that even the even the the youngest member with the least skill yeah. provides support to the overall 108 stars it's still like enough to be named in the story yes right? i like that too. and when yeah, you beat the game purpose and after you beat the game it gives you like mm-hmm. a rundown like this is what this person did after the adventure was over et cetera, oh, et cetera. That's nice. and then for the second mm-hmm. game without again without spoiling yeah. it you can eventually go back to the lo- the location that the first game took place in and recruit a number of the people that were amongst the original 108 stars and they're actually kind of sort of rolled into the narrative, but not in such a way that it outright just changes it or anything. They're still kind like of like that. assists. Yeah, right? like assists. But oh. it's freaking awesome. Back then when you first came across that, it was exciting. Like, wow, the two main <laughs> characters are teaming up. Was that something you had to like search for it, that you had to know about it? Or is that like that was kind of built into the... It was built in. Uh, like they were, oh, that's cool. They made sure you knew that you could transfer your save file over. And while I'm not going to go so far as to say it was blatantly obvious what to do to get this other part it wasn't really hidden either it was oh, just if you if you play the game you'll probably so if you played it. sweet coding right and you enjoyed it you had a save file but then let's say you started playing another game mm-hmm. and you needed room for that save file and you deleted it and you deleted it tough to bullies that's just that's a shame right there man. buy more memory cards we are not made out of money for now <laughs> That is true. That's why cards. you take. That's why you collect a lot of bottles and you recycle them. It was the nineties. Or you can that. go to patreoncom pixels <laughs> and you can help Robin Pernell afford more memory cards. <laughs> Christ. Um, anyway, uh, our next track is from not quite a novel, but another book. The good book. <laughs> oh, good lord! Um, we're gonna listen to the binding. Wait, 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 of- let me get on my knees. No, <laughs> repent, repent, repent. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to talk about the story, not so much about anything else. Here. This is The Binding of Isaac. This is Anti-Birth, which is, I think, one of the remakes of the remakes. Um, composed This music composed by Danny Baranowski. The track is Foreigner and Zeal, which is music for the Flooded Caves. 
Actually, uh, Martyrus just robbed it up right there. You hear that? Yeah, there That's it is. That's pretty good. Yeah, thank you. Keeping us on track. That's what I usually have to do. <laughs> Martyrus um, knows what's up. He's good. He knows got what's up. This. All right, well, yeah, we're listening to music from the game Binding of Isaac. Music composed by Danny Baranowski. This, I listened, I haven't played this game. Um, there's a lot more music in this version of the game. Like ever? Never. I never played it. I feel like, I've, I, aside this, from the gross humor, I think you'd actually yeah. like it a lot. The gross humor is the only thing that's turned me off. And I don't mind gross humor. It's just, it's not a draw for me. It is cartoony gross. It is cartoony. And um, I do like mm-hmm. um, uh, the story elements of the game. And I'll get into that in, in a second. But um, this music is incredible. It's mm-hmm. so good. Danny Baranowski is fantastic. And I do love the um, other developers. Um, I've watched. I watched. What was it called? Indie Indie Game, the movie, mm-hmm. um, where they they kind of talked about the, the the pair of developers that worked on Super Meat Boy. And this was a game that you know Super Meat Boy was a way for um, the main developer. Um, oh shoot! What was his name? McKillen or McMillan? Oh, Edward McMillan. Edward McMillan. Just sort of like. This to, to flex his. It wasn't like a complicated game. It was just like it was a speed running, side scrolling, like you know, difficult game. But it was mostly just gross out humor. Not much more than that. Mm-hmm. And this game was to be like, okay, there's gross out humor involved, but it's mainly a story that he could use to explore his own, like kind of family history and experience growing up. So the Binding of Isaac. The character's name is Isaac, but it's based on the story of Abraham. Mm-hmm in which God asks Abraham to kill his son, Isaac. Abraham binds Isaac to an altar and raises his dagger to sacrifice him when an angel from God comes down and says, no, you don't do this. Um, Sacrifice this ram instead. And so the idea is is that Abraham um, believed, was, was essentially rewarded for believing so much that he was willing to go that far to kill his own son. Which, of course, is like, you know, in the story of the Bible, everyone's like, you see, you have to be able to willing to go that far. But outside of the context of the Bible, you're like, oh, but in no, this game, not in this good. game, you're playing as Isaac. And Isaac's, in this character, in this, in this world, his mother is a religious zealot who is trying to kill her own son because she believes that God is telling her mm-hmm. to kill him. And so he escapes into his closet or into a, like a, a, a trap door, in a trap door and discovers like a huge dungeon and he's trying to escape while his mother is trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of the binding of Isaac. And, and um, so it's based on a, a biblical story, which so obviously kind of fits into the, the, the book theme of the show. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he essentially wanted to make this game because he wanted to sort of explore those themes that he grew up with in his family because part of his family was Catholic and the other part of his family was born-again Christian. And so that Ooh. part of his family would try to tell him that the Catholic side of his family weren't, you know, they didn't believe correctly or what they believed was, was not, was crazy. And then the Catholic side of the family was like, no, 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 the born again Christians are, you know, what they're believing isn't right. And so he was kind of in the middle at the same time, wanting to play Dungeons and Dragons and video games. And everyone's telling him that it's satanic and wrong to do. So then the next question becomes yeah. which, which of the opposing sides actually built the dungeon beneath their house? I think the dungeon beneath the house is a metaphor probably for his escape into his 
own um, his, his hobbies his hobbies and his imagination yeah which isn't mm-hmm. always a fun place to be no it isn't yeah which is why the game really? is the way the way it is that's my take on it I haven't played the game <laughs> I think like I said gross out humor aside yeah I think you'd like it mm-hmm. uh, but but it's fascinating like the, the story around it is really fascinating to me the more I got into it um, I had to remind myself of the story of Abraham which you know for someone who who grew up in the church <laughs> I should have known um, have, have you played uh, Binding of Isaac uh, Martyrs or do you have any experience with this one you know, I unfortunately have not had experience with it, but I do love your explanation of it. And yes, I was also like that too. I was born into a Catholic family, but I became a Christian later on. And of course, you know, my parents would tell me this way. Yeah. And my Christian friends would tell me this way. And it's like, I don't know what to believe other than 42, but hey. <laughs> so I do understand the dilemma, and I have to admit, I am even more interested in playing this game. Right, so like we'll definitely have to look into getting. You know, yeah, hearing hearing that that um that history with the that game, the, yeah, yeah, that dilemma that's built around it has definitely made me more more curious about it. Um, hearing other people's stories around that, you know, it's it's very interesting. And hearing other people talk about like their experiences um, with religion, especially from childhood to adolescence to to adulthood like how that changes and how that changes with people is always very interesting to me as well i think one good way to sell you guys on playing the game or not depending on your and, taste and, and aside from religion pernell pernell just wants us to play the game oh well yeah. i mean my stance of religion i mean my, my <laughs> life than the upcoming winter sale <laughs> i'm not i'm not saying i'm not i'm not trying to joke that you're not that you're dodging religion i'm just thinking oh i, I just think it's a, it's a funny like uh so like side by side yeah, pragma- but like uh a pragmatic way of saying it <laughs> So, like, one good thing to put out here is that, so, Binding of Isaac's been around since the mid-2000s, I want to say, at the earliest, maybe 2010, but I want to yeah. say it was in the early odd zero. It was designed, I think it was designed originally as a Flash game, because he knew that it was going to be divisive and, and difficult to to um, like to, mar- market. to market. Yeah, yeah, so he wanted to make it, like, a quick Flash game that he could eventually scale into something else. But yeah. despite it being as old as it is, many still herald it as being, like, the king of the modern roguelike. Yeah. And I don't mm. refute that at all. It's there are hundreds of items in the game. Like 50 bosses. They there's so much going on in this game. If anything, the only downside wow. to the game is that um, Baranowski's OST isn't in it anymore. Which makes me sad. There so, was like a falling out with those uh, guys. It's oh, like that's right. Yeah. I that's what I was trying to think like when I found the music for this, YouTube is always difficult to sort of match up with what's not canon, but like, you know, sometimes YouTube titles and information out there is, might not be 100%. Might not 100% yeah, it's just, it's just enthusiasts like yeah, us. Yeah, the algorithms don't work out well. Yeah, so, and I knew that there was some in- interesting stuff with Baranowski and the developers, um, so I wasn't super sure if the music that I had found was from the game, but then I looked it up and there was an official OST. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if this game, if this music isn't in the game, maybe, it, maybe it still is. Well, that's the thing, like, I know you, Meat, you Meat likely Boy wouldn't changed, know, right? Yeah, you likely wouldn't know until you outright play the game because this game and Meat Boy did change. Um, so the sad part is that I wouldn't say this is Baranowski simply because of the fact that I like the track. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I can tell you from experience that while I'm not going to go so far as to say that the Meat Boy OST that they changed was bad, it was so not up to snuff with Baranowski that I couldn't go back to play Meat Boy anymore. I'll afterwards. say that the the track named that I found 
matched up exactly with what I found in the VGM database.net. And that's about as close as you can hope and to I get. I was there. like, that's probably right. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, unless the guy came in and was like, I'm going to not only change the tracks, but keep the titles intact. Yeah, yeah. That's just cold blooded. All right, we're on to your second track for now. Okay. So this is one that actually caught me completely by surprise because, again, as Rob already knows, this was very much a weakness topic of mine. Like novels, me, I don't read books. I should read books. What? <laughs> Actually, I almost bought a Stephen King book the other day, oh. so I'm trying to get Which back. Which one? Um, apparently, he released a new one called Fairy Tale. But when I read the back uh, of the book yeah. for the synopsis, even for Stephen King standards, I was like, what the heck is he saying this book is about? <laughs> I can't follow any of that. So I'd, I feel like I should just go and read up on it more before committing to it. But um, So I was like looking through this, like, okay, what are some games based on novels? Let's do some digging. And I came across this game whose name sounded familiar, and it turns out I actually owned it. Never played it, because, haha, of oh, course, nice. Purnell didn't. I love it when you bring it in. It's a game called Brave Story, Travel, a new Ooh. traveler. And it was released for the PSP back in, like, 2006 or so. Um, and the track that I found to play on the show proper is the battle theme for the game. Um, and it is composed by someone. We'll figure that out. No, I got it right now. I'm just tired. (laughs) It is Minako Seki and Manase Kawasaki. Welcome back. You're listening to the battle theme from the game Brave Story New Traveler, released on the PSP, composed by Manase Kawasaki and Minako Seki. And it does turn out I did boot this game up once back in 2011. I was level two. Um, so there you go. I did boot the system up to check. <laughs> I'm level two. Um, so Brave Story, <laughs> I had no idea it was actually based on a novel slash 
potentially manga. Um, but lo and behold, it is. And the premise of the fantasy novel is there's a kid named... What is his name exactly here? Doop doop doo Give me a second. I'm tired. His name is Brave. No, it's not. That's a terrible name for a child. <laughs> Why would you do that to some poor kid? His Wataru Mitani right. is his actual and name. high tired. Brave. Come on. But his name is Brave. Come here, Brave. Terrible parent. Not you. The guy who would name their kid Brave. I don't think it's a bad name. You would name your kid Brave. I'm starting <laughs> to think about it. Don't you dare. I mean, don't you do it. Don't you do it. I, mean, I will give that kid a nickname. I will give that kid a nickname. <laughs> so fast. Um, but this kid, his name is Wataru Mitani. He is a fifth grader who kind of stumbles into this weird fantasy world at school, like accidentally after school by walking into an abandoned building after finding what he believes to be an old man in there. Mm. And he discovers this world called Vision. It's like pretty much like a fantasy landscape that has a portal that opens up once every 10 years and stays open for 90 days, I think it was. And wow. he's told that if he decides to go back home, he will forget all about the world he entered into eventually. And he eventually does go home. But then shortly after, stuff happens at his home. His father turns up to be, ends up that his dad is cheating on his mom with a woman. He leaves his mom high and dry in the sun. The mom becomes really depressed and she tries to kill herself by lighting her house on fire by lighting, lighting gas in. Somehow, someway, this is transferred by them saying if he goes to this world, Vision, again, he can actually make a wish. He can find a way to make a wish to save his mother's life. So he decides he has to try to do the best he can to recall what he has left of how he got to Vision so he can go back. And then once he gets there, he ends up going on a quest to make a wish to save his mother's life hmm. because she's about to pretty much kills herself. Wow. Um, and the video game is actually about a different kid entirely, though he does meet the main character of the original novel while he's exploring. And the kid in this game, he's pretty much gone the vision for his own desire to make a wish. Um, so he's exploring this universe along with the animal characters he meets because this is, of course, a fantasy world. So there's cat people, there's dragon people, and there's a guy who looks like he should be evil but isn't. Um, it's a basic turn-based RPG from what I could tell because, again, I was level two. I probably fought like three battles. None of what you said you would ever know reading the story on the box. Yeah, because <laughs> they don't even mention that it was based on anything, yeah, yeah. which is why I didn't know it was based on anything. So I, I've owned the game for over a decade and I only just learned that it was based on a book because of Martyr suggesting this topic. So that was pretty surprise, interesting to me. Surprise. And I actually recently got a new battery for my PSP thanks to Francis. So I can actually nice. charge it up and play it on the go without being tethered to an outlet, which is kind of nice. Oh, so for the longest time you were kind of stuck plugging it into the wall. Because mm -hmm. yeah. there's a charge in there right now. I haven't put the battery in yet. But there's a charge in there now, but it'll go pretty fast. This thing? It, looks like, it looks like a camera would be in this, this this case. Yeah, and it didn't even have a camera on it. That was before game consoles oh, had cameras. Oh, man. I The PSP, I've only ever Memories. seen your PSP in the wild, ever, in my life. <laughs> I'm the only person who ever owned a PSP. So there's a hook on the end of this, I'm assuming for like a lanyard or something? For phone charms. 
For, oh, I yeah. thought like maybe you like you attached like a necklace to it and you wear this thing like a necklace. I'm sure somebody <laughs> blinged it out, probably encrusted it in solid gold and taquitos. I don't freaking know. And then they just wore it around their neck. Like, look at me. I'm all kinds of powerful. So is there like a, a, a you said there's a touch screen on the back? No, that's the Vita. Oh, that's the Vita. Uh, I get those two make things mixed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Vita was the better machine by far because for some stupid reason, with the PSP, Sony thought, you know, it'd be great having a portable console with moving parts and a disc reader. Oh, man. That's oh, genius. The UMD, yes. It was a oh. terrible idea. Rob heard it first hand when I booted the game up over here. It was like, rrr, rrr. <laughs> like a chainsaw's <laughs> running on this thing. It's not yeah, good. Is your phone going off? You're like, no, it's, don't worry about it. It's, that's just Sony. That's Sony. <laughs> that's Sony. All right, I'm going to turn this track down, everybody, all the way down. And we're going to get into the part of the show that we called the bonus round. Brave story. <laughs> I mean, bonus round. Uh, the bonus round is where we play covers, remixes, and arrangements on our theme. This is Martyrus's, uh wheelhouse right now. This is the arrangements part oh, of our show. Yeah. And which would be, you this bet. would be all of his show, right? Yeah. Um, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, all right. So what have you got for us then? Well, let's see here. I have an inspired track here that comes from Stalker Shadows of Chernobyl, developed by GSC World Game World, published by THQ Worldwide and GSC World Publishing in the Ukraine, published for the Microsoft Windows. So we're going to hear a cover of Dirge for the Planet by Alina Gingertail. Yeah. 
That was Dirge for the Planet. It was composed by Fire Lake with lyrics by O. Yarvarsky. Yarvarsky. And it was covered by um, Alina uh, Gingertail. Alina Gingertail, I think her name is, from the game yep. Stalker, Shadows of Chernobyl. And wow. I mean, first of all, uh, Alina's got so much music on, on, on YouTube of, of so many <laughs> different styles of games and stuff. Um, but really all using these um, acoustic instruments. Um, I saw not just ukulele, but like banjo and lute and all, all sorts mm-hmm. of instrumentation, which is really, really cool. I think some flute as well. Um, so really, really yep. cool. Very impressive body work she has there, honestly. And I love the voice to go with it as well. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Um, all right, Purnell. I just kind of got sidetracked because I was reading about that. I have no mouse. So it's right. The, the the title is enough to pull you in, isn't it? Yeah, I was very interested in this whole premise and how it plays out. And thankfully, at least from what I could tell, it wasn't as grotesque as I was wondering it would be. But maybe they maybe what I read just was kind of cutting out certain snippets. <laughs> yeah, that ending is indeed rough, though it has a glint of positivity to it. But overall, I wish it were better. Yes. But yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll make the other synopsis to explain more detail. Yeah, well, we, I want to know more. Wanna yeah, know more. Yeah, you can read more about that. So, uh, don't, but don't take my word for it. <laughs> all, right. all right. So, what's your uh, what's your track? So, I'm going from a little bit of a different direction here, and we'll talk about why when the track is done playing. But I did find a particular cover for the game Wizards and Warriors. It's the Symphonic Orchestra meets Metal cover, composed by Patrick Cron. Thank you. 
the podcast bit um and you were listening to the symphonic orchestra meets metal jam uh cover track for the game wizards and warriors released originally on the nintendo entertainment system Mm -hmm. composed by patrick cron um so i'll talk about why i chose this track in a second but one random thought i had because it's come up recently and i just it, this reminded me of it again is the fact that like I have memories of this game being pretty rough. Like it wasn't the, it wasn't as hard as say Ninja Gaiden one, but it wasn't an easy game. Uh, and I always find it interesting. People will say things like you didn't beat that as a kid. And there's no way you beat that game as a kid. It's like, yes, I did. I finished Wizards and Warriors one when I was a child and like how it's so hard. But then <laughs> what people don't tend to realize was like back then, if you didn't have a lot of money in your household, and you got access to a game. That was what you played. That was what you played. That was your weekend. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes repetition builds skill, <laughs> builds character. And eventually, that's how you beat a game that in a modern age where you have a wealth of games to play, you can easily just walk away from when it becomes too hard. In this case, it's like, well, if I'm not playing this, I got nothing. So I'm going to make do with what I got. Give me those boots of lava walk and watch me jump. Um, but... As to why I picked the actual track, I decided to go at a different angle for this yeah, one. Yeah, I, I like this. So the topic of the episode mm-hmm. is novels based on games, but I have a particular fondness for an era in my life where I was actually purchasing novels based on games, not games based on novels. In this instance, the Worlds of Power book series by FX9. Um, back Ooh. in the day, I had a bunch of them. I had Blaster Master, I had Ninja Guide, and mm-hmm. I had Wizards and Warriors. But sadly... Two of the three got lost to time, but I still have the Wizards and Warriors book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting because they would always write these in a way where it wasn't just a retelling of the game. It was always they would supplant some kid yes. into the game's world, and they <laughs> yeah. would tell the story with a bunch of twists and changes based on the fact that this other entity was now a mm-hmm. part of the story. And sometimes it got pretty rough. Like People died in these books. People got hurt in these books in a way they didn't quite in the games themselves. Um, and I had a genuine fondness for them. 
Rob was looking at the book earlier when I opened it up to him. He's like, oh, your card's going because they said a trading card inside you could rip out. I was like, no, of course it's not going. I took it out. It's on my it's in my house right now, along with my superpower trading cards from Nintendo Power. Wow. I um, had I had a Castlevania nice. I had a Castlevania I think it was actually called Castlevania. There was a Castlevania. Too. It was for Simon's Quest. Yeah, I had Simon's Quest. I had Ooh. that one too. Um I was obsessed with that game when I was younger. I didn't have the Nintendo, but I had played it at a friend's house and the music was stuck in my head from Simon's Quest. And now I, and now as an adult I understand why. Um but yeah, I had that one. Cuz you were kneeling for 3 minutes at LaRuba Cliff. I know, I was just listened to that mm, to that to that amazing Bloody Tears soundtrack. So, um yeah, had Simon's Quest. I think I had. I want to say I had Metroid. Oh crap! I can buy Nintendo. I can buy I Ninja Guide right now for three ninety nine. I had Ninja Guide then. Yeah, you can buy these on eBay. I might do it. <laughs> there was Ninja <laughs> Guide. Complete the series, Pernell. I can get them back. Oh boy, these are reprints. You know, it's going to be like a weird. That would be horrible. This oh, is a poor no. condition Not Ninja Guide, but it's three ninety nine. Yeah. Blaster Master for eleven sixty nine. Metal Gear for Ooh, twenty Blaster bucks. Master. But nothing beats like this. What the heck? There was one for a game called Infiltrator? Like what I'm holding in my hand right now. Where it looks like it's been in a backpack, carried back and forth to school, you know. It's, it's got day. wear and tear on it. That wasn't yeah, me collecting yeah. a book. That was me having a book and reading it yeah. and treating it like a thing I loved. Yeah, I love this. It's been well loved. That's right. <laughs> Wizards and Warriors, baby. But yeah, I, I miss this book series. And I kind of wonder, because I don't have any kids, so I don't know what the what the Scholastic Book Club is, if that even exists anymore. But I wonder if they are doing anything like that in the modern day with how do we get kids to get into this stuff? How about we take their games and convert them to books? I'm, or, oh, I'm sure there's like the, the Minecraft novelization, the Roblox, <laughs> the Roblox, Roblox novelization. <laughs> Jimmy, God, no. an average child, gets thrust into the world of Roblox where this he is, is microtransacted to oblivion. This is the uh, the, the Paw Patrol extended universe. <laughs> um, anyway, for more information on the bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com or we'll have links to the artists, um, SoundClouds, Bandcamps, everywhere you can download the music, buy the music, stream the music, and support these amazing artists. It would be the PPCU. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for joining us on episode 34-10 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is um, novels, games based on novels, novel games, um, with Martyrus, our, our guest podcaster, fellow podcaster, Martyrus. Um, and we're ending the, the, the show on another track from Digital Devil Story, Megami Tensei, for the Famicom uh, Dataless. But um, we, we didn't want to go back and talk about Stalker, Shadows of Chernobyl. Um, so yeah, just a little bit, a little bit. We, we, uh, know a little bit about the game. Tell us about, tell us about the, 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 the novel or story it was based on. Well, this, that, uh, coverage track that we just played, um, it is based on a Russian novella titled Roadside Picnic. It was written by Boris and Arkady Strugatsky. And it was also based on the film of the same name, Stalker, that was directed by Andrei Tarkovsky. Oh. So pretty simple as that. Takes cool. about years after the second nuclear disaster, and you play someone named the Marked One, who's got amnesia. Gee, what a trope. <laughs> um, How original. Perfect yeah, for, the, for games, right? 
pretty much. And you're trying to find and kill this mysterious person named Straylock in the zone, which is basically where the Chernobyl uh, accident happened. Hmm. It's interesting hearing that yeah. too, because like I played, like I was saying earlier, I played a game called Chernobylite. And it was mm -hmm. my first game I got to play involving Chernobyl and whatnot. And same terminology, it was like, oh, enter the zone, enter the zone. And people were in the zone with their gas masks on, oh. rat levels and everything else. Like, it's a, it's an interesting environment to have multiple games focused upon. Mm. It really is. Mm -hmm. But it's also very intriguing, too. Just the picture, the fact that just in these games, they always portray it as if people are living there. Oh, yeah. It's something about, um, um, it could be... It's almost like uh, I'm trying to say something. Some, it's a morbid in a way. I don't want to say the word morbid, but it's, it's morbid in a way that your brain wants to think more about it. Like, what would it be like to live in that area? What would it be like if that was the whole world? You know, if that was your whole world. Let's be realistic for yeah. a second, though, or let's be honest for a second, uh -oh. though. If anything, maybe more people should be thinking, what would it be like if the whole world were like Chernobyl? Right. Maybe put some put some perspective on raining in some bad antics. Um, but I digress. Just give me a Pip-Boy and I'll be fine. I don't know. That Pip-Boy costs money. <laughs> you might have to kill a few people on the wasteland to get that. Oh, yeah, some bottle caps. Let's be honest here. In, in our society, in actual society, even if we were going to bottle caps, it would be like levels of rarity and crap. It wouldn't just be like, there's 20 bottle caps. Like, I don't know, is that from a Mr. Pib or is that from an RC Cola? I don't take RC Cola caps. Oh. Not here in this store. You'd be the only one being like, oh, I've already got those. I've already got this. Give me a vintage Jolt Cola cap. <laughs> <laughs> I actually still have a bottle of Nuka Cola in the fridge. I'm afraid oh, yeah. to drink I was it. I thought you were say Jolt. Ooh. I'm like, dang. I missed that on that. Getting the Nuka Cola. It's Just probably having it. It's probably disgusting right now. I don't know. I mean, it's literally sugar water, so maybe it keeps for years, but mm. I don't know. Those things do keep a long time. They do. They do. But uh, it was like mm. a blue bottle. Your mileage may vary. And I also Your have, health may vary. My health may vary. <laughs> I have that and I have Mountain Dew Throwback in a jug. That one I'm definitely afraid to drink. In a jug? Ooh, Did you yeah. like pour it into a jug? No, it came shipped in a jug. It shipped in a... Oh, wow. Like a, like a, like it was a, like a moonshine. Oh, okay. Wow, that's terrifying. <laughs> I thought, I thought like, jug was like a milk jug. No, it was like moonshine a jug. Moonshine jug. And I think moonshine it even sells for money on eBay right now, too, funny enough. <laughs> Because, of oh, course, no. the bottle's awesome. It's a moonshine Mountain Dew jug. All right, everyone, favorite sodas? Orbits. Or Orbits. Um, Marjorie's. Oh, gosh. Um, a and W. Oh, right. Yeah. All right, I'll give an honest answer. Dr. Pepper. Yeah, Orbits. Who says Orbits? But first and foremost, if Orbits was still being made today, I would have that on the list. So let's get that straight. It's going to be like some kind of monster. No, it's just a soda with bubbles in it. Like colorful bubbles. It's Orbits. Uh, but the but, real answer is. But my real answer is probably going to be Live Wire Mountain Dew, yeah. followed by oh, wow. Cherry oh. Vanilla Dr. Pepper. That's a very good one. That's a very good one. I've discovered a uh, lemon, um, lemon, um, 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 ginger ale, which is there's a lemon ginger ale. Yeah, man? yeah, yeah. What's what's like Canada Dry? Yeah, it's like it's like lemonade plus Canada Dry. Okay, it's pretty oh, good. Nice. It's pretty good. I can respect. Yeah, that. it's almost like a, it's almost like that an Arnold Palmer if 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 it wasn't iced tea. If it was ginger ale Ooh, and lemonade. Arnold Palmer. <laughs> Color me intrigued. Yeah, I, I, intrigued. I love I love that reminds. You know, that reminds me, I need to go visit this old grocery store called Galco's. It's over in Los Angeles area, Brunel. All right. Uh, they sell 
old they sell sodas that are still in production old ones hmm. you know because they've bought because they've they bought the formula for it and they're still making them and they're still in the bottles hmm. so galcos well while we're trading soda vendor out in your area I don't remember the name uh, of it, so shoot me for this, but you'll get enough information to look it up on your own. But there is a soda vendor in Long Beach that Mike took me to years ago that had an absurd wealth of just bizarre sodas, like maple bacon soda and... Uh, maple bacon. Ooh, bacon. Bacon soda. Like, they had... I mean, they're not all weird flavors, but there's just a lot but of it, different it, flavored sodas that you wouldn't get in many other places. And it was awesome mm-hmm. to stare and peruse the wares. Like, I want that bottle. It was like that bottle. A nin- the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came up with different pizzas. They were like, we're going to come up with crazy sodas. No, April O'Neil came up with the sodas because she wanted to contribute a little bit more to the turtles' dining hand. <laughs> like, uh, no anchovies. She's like, <laughs> no well, anchovies. She's soda. like, if I want to sit here and eat this nasty pizza, you're going to have to drink my nasty soda Ace. with your pizza. With your pizza. How did deal. those turtles ever have enough energy to fight crime? I mean, mutagen affected their metabolism. That's I, the only answer. Of course. Why? I didn't think of that. Truth be told, I'm pretty sure that the Ninja Turtles ate vegetables and salads, they would have died. <laughs> their bodies can't process salad. They couldn't get like the side salad with their with their pizza. That's right. They only run on carbs, Rob. Would have killed them. Oh, you know, I, I get that. I'm in the same way. <laughs> That's all I eat. Um, so, uh, before we go, I want to thank you, Martyrs, for hanging out with us for the past hour and a half, listening to great game music, sharing sharing some music with us. Oh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Glad to be on. And, of course, this is my first time being on your show. So, you know, I hope to be on future episodes. Yeah. Hey, I, whenever the ideas come up, right? Yeah, it's honestly, yeah. Right. If you come up with a cool topic, just strike send, the match. shoot us a message. Strike the match. Light the, uh, light the dynamite. That's right. Blow us up. And by blow us up, I mean send us a DM. If I blow up my DMs. <laughs> uh, um, what can you tell our listeners about your show? Where can they find you? What would you like to tell them about what you do? Oh, let's see here. You can actually go to we'll go to visit my website, re-vgm.com. There I've got show notes. i got track listings for each episode and a YouTube playlist. So if you just want to listen to music, that's fine by me. Um, there's also another page called Remix Info that has lists of all of the cover and remix artists, their websites, their social media links, any of their works on such places as Bandcamp and SoundCloud, and their support pages such, plus, such as uh, Patreon and Coffee. And please do visit these sites if you want to support them. You know, subscribe, click on their links, follow their pages, buy any of their merch. Yeah. you know what? They're just as passionate about video games as we are. Mm-hmm. And a final page on the website is Staff News, which has links to news articles related to video game music, and it updates as I find them. Um, you can subscribe to my podcast through some of the major streaming services, such as Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Google, iHeartNow, and Audible, and some of the other streaming services, such as Podbean, Podcast Index, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And finally, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RE underscore VGM. You can also DM me through Instagram and Twitter. Perhaps you have a track suggestion. Maybe there's a cover artist that I've yet to showcase, or maybe you yourself are a cover and remix artist that would like to be showcased on my special episode of On Stage Now. 
so there you have it. Time for me to so get I'm on just... my table tapping rhythm metrics here. Like you're doing. <laughs> me and me and Pernod are doing our work yeah. on our acapella. Boom 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 bat bat bat. We do uh, we do double dragon yeah. stage one pretty good, but oh, yeah, <laughs> I, need to find some... <laughs> I do the I need percussion. To find <laughs> it's like it's oh, like nice. pentatonics, but way worse. Pentatonics. <laughs> <laughs> Octatonics. <laughs> Octatonics. We're just we're just du- we're just duotonics. <laughs> um, uh, um, if you'd like to get in contact with our show, Rhythm and Pixels, if you have a track suggestion or topic suggestion, or you just want to say hi, you want to just you have, you have a if you have a, a recipe suggestion, send us an email. Oh, please send the recipe suggestion to Rhythm and Pixels at hotmail.com. Um, and for a full track listing of this episode, <laughs> of all of our episodes, and access to all of our episodes, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com, and you can uh, we have a Discord server. If you go, if you want to uh, check out the Discord, it's the link is at the top of the page there. Um, we also have a twenty four seven eight bit and sixteen bit radio station playing nothing but classics, deep cuts, and all the music that you love to listen to. Right now, it's playing on Twitch, Twitch.tv/RhythmandPixels. And in December, uh, SquareSoft will um, remove the handcuffs, and we will be let loose back into the world of YouTube. Um, but you can go to youtube.com slash rhythm and pixels and there we have um, links to all of our shows are, are there and um, actually all timestamps. so if you're tired of listening to us talk for 10 minutes about, Why? Fam- about family matters Why? and you want to get to the next song you can just click the chapter select it's pretty nice over there guess what it's the family matters <laughs> theme song <laughs> and it just goes to, yeah, it just it just links to the family matters theme song is that uh, another episode idea? It's going to be. What would it be? Family Matters? It's just Family Matters, and we pick a song for every character of the show. <laughs> I think there, that's, there we go. That's next week. Judy, the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and if you want to support the show, uh, the best thing you can do is tell other people about it, or you can click the subscribe button on whatever you're on. Watch Family Matters. You could also... <laughs> Watch Family Matters, apparently. <laughs> you can go to um, Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. Um, there you get access to uh, monthly live streams of the show where we um, perform the show. We record the show live for you. You get involved with us. You can, there's a lot of um, like visual gags. There's jokes that, that go on during the show. It's, it's a lot of fun to do that live. There's also a lot of cool stuff you can get at the later at the higher tiers, like there's stickers and mugs and t-shirts there's all a whole bunch of cool stuff you can get there um and at the end of every episode we'd like to thank all of our patreons who are at the highest levels so we want to thank brooke frankly zappa and khalid all three of you huge huge thank you thank you for your support thank you so much um thank you very very much we want to thank the number one also killing it in my alphabetical situation here uh, thank you, Kristen, GameFan44. Next week, Kristen, Pokemon! Uh, uh, thank you, Martyrus. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Somehow he's gotten on he our... Is. Yeah, but we're going to have him on our show next week. Uh, this is uh, Martyrus, host of ReVGM. Thank, <laughs> so, thank you so much for supporting us. Um, oh, thank you, Mike thank you. Myers. Thank you, Person, Vashon8060. Um, uh, re-upped. Thank you very much, Vashon. Um, thank you to Alex Messenger, host of AVGM Journey. Thank you, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast. Thank you, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy who, by the way, I convinced him to play Landstalker. He uh, can't run away from it. I said it on the show. You have to play it. Oh, is he going to do it on stream? 
Yes. Yeah. It's going to be glorious. Yeah, get that stream in you. Uh, thank you to Christopher Shenstro. I'm going to never say that again. Thank you to Chuck Kowalski, <laughs> Davey Cakes, uh, David Taylor, Enchilada Brigol, Harold Howard, Triple Jeff, Justin Schneider, host of XVGM Radio, Keith Shusterman, Dr. Michael Bridgewater, uh, Rage Cage, host of the uh, VGM Porium podcast. Fantastic show. Thank you to Reinhardt. Hey, Sel- podcast brother. Yeah, podcast brothers. Uh, thank you to Reinhardt Zelkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilson, host of the VG Embassy, our podcast dad, and Zach Thornbach. Thank you all and thank you many, many more for your continued support of our little program. We very much appreciate yeah. it. Even, even everyone, everyone who, who contributes even just a dollar um, is, is, is a huge, huge, huge thank you. It helps... It helps the show stay online. It helps us to, you know, to produce more merch. It encourages us to to do more shows. Yeah, it actually just straight up even just shows it. It's like that just one added element that just says people are listening to our show, or at least they, even if they don't have time, they're like, we appreciate you're yeah. doing it. Yeah, so. and, and as a member, you get access to a special Discord um, channel on our server, and that's where we kind of give, like, the updates on the live streams. And if, and if you leave Patreon, I'm pretty sure you keep your role. So if you ever want to come back, the door's always open. It's 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 always open to you. Um, Purnell, it is November. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying about November? I really don't. We give thanks to each other for doing this show for seven gosh darn years. It really has been seven years. Such a wild <laughs> amount of time. Oh, seven. So, seven. Lucky seven. We yes. Got, we, got, we got a couple new um, shows planned for the next few weeks. We have some returning guests coming back for the next few weeks. Um, we also have another live stream coming up. But we have our Patreon not Patreon, I'm sorry, our podcast anniversary, our podcast anniversary, if you will, number seven. And if I remember correctly, that's when we pick our favorite tracks from the previous year. From the past year. Dun, dun, November dun. to November, maybe right. December to December. Um, my database, my spreadsheet has not been kept up to date, so you're going to have to go online, buddy. Ah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're, I'm thinking we're going to do top ten, so it's going to be a bit of a longer program, but we'll try to keep it short. Um, in between tracks. Okay. Uh, but it's going to be uh, a free live stream, and then we're probably going to do some, um, some Twitch gaming as well. I think that's always a, a tradition that we try to do. Fatty Bear. The cor- nope, 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 nope. I veto Fatty Bear. I there will be no. There will be no Fatty Bear. I would love to do like a like a classic like like a like a Game Boy emulation like just not a Fatty Bear though. No, I'm saying like I'm saying we do only like only movie games. No, we would be competitive head to head like or co-op. And though I'm afraid of co-op because I got this odd feeling you'll throw the game intentionally just to drive up my blood pressure. But I, no versus for, for the I can laughs see. for your blood pressure for the laughs. Well, I mean. Yeah, the last would come as the paramedics arrive. They would very much come. But if you're listening to this point in the show, if you could think of any games, you'd be like, hey, these are some games Rob and Pernod should well, mess around with during the last year. Just let us know that, too. We'll have some, We'll actually have a couple polls out on, on the Discord of, like, what are some good... I, th- I think Track and Field 2 was a, was a big hit. Oh, yeah, uh, my arm out. still hasn't recovered. Yeah, that that was, damn there's clips of that on Uh-oh. Twitch. Uh, you can check that out. It's, it's pretty – and I think I, I think I clipped them onto YouTube, so they're worth checking out. Um, but, yeah, I don't got anything else. Um, I think ne- – do we have our guests? Is it next week? I am so bad. That makes two of us. So uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Wow. Um, because, remember, it was a very calamitous scenario. I think – I want to say he is coming on next week. Yes. But we're recording a little earlier because of a trip. I've been – yeah, oh, that's right. Might be earlier, might be later, but my, my um, 
I've been hermiting since I've been like stressed out from like this uh, home renovation we've been going through. It's paying off though, man. This thing is nice. Oh, we're almost there, but I'm tired of. And doing I'm going to mooch off that kitchen table. So many board games will be used. Oh, I know. There. We got a big, a bigger table. But the um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm tired of doing dishes in my in my in my tub. <laughs> Moonshine it's though. Ter- no. Moonshine. <laughs> I'm just trying to <laughs> bathtub mint julep. I just have to clean my mug oh, so God. I can drink coffee in the morning. Bathtub mint julep. Mm, All right. Mint uh, julep coffee. Yeah, see, I would drink that, especially from the bathtub. Bathtub coffee. Yeah. Think about it. I. You have oh, so boy. much quads. The quantities will be massive. If the if the bath <laughs> if the bath water is that color, I don't think you should drink it. Well, I mean, just technically it's coffee <laughs> at this point, so... Oh, if it's still coffee. It'll wake you up. You could get it through your skin, I'm saying. They do make soap that has caffeine in it. There you go. I'm you just saying. Taste it chunky. Chunky coffee. Do you take milk in your coffee bath, Pernell? I would if it was in the bath. Oh, wow, interesting. All right. Again, more and more that we're learning about each other. All right, thank you, everybody, for listening to our show. We'll see you next week. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And thanks again to Martyrus. Thanks for hanging out with thank us. Thank you, thank you very you. much. We'll see you next week. And remember, the topic of this episode was obviously novels based on game or games based off of novels, but it stands to reason that uh, reading is, in fact, fundamental. It's not just a goofy catchphrase that came about from the, I guess, 90s, was it? I don't know. I'm old, people. Um, but... In the digital age, it has become less and less frequent for people to read novels. Some of us, myself included, will even use the excuse, oh, it's an RPG. It's like reading a book. Um, But with that said, there is still something to be said about reading actual books, actual novels that doesn't quite feel the same as getting it from a game or subtitles on your favorite anime. So even if it has to be a small book like a Worlds of Power, very few (laughs) pages in here. We're talking like 120 pages. Um... Small book, medium book, maybe something that's huge as the size of your head, whatever. Read a book. <laughs> the quote, handy from the tick. Read a book! <laughs> it's worth your time.